0: Welcome to the NPO Media Podcast, an audio program designed to allow individuals living with mental illness and their loved ones a vehicle of self-expression. This program is produced by volunteers with the National Alliance on Mental Illness, New York City, Staten Island Chapter. Opinions and views expressed in this podcast do not represent those of NAMI. This episode features Christina Bruni, a mental health advocate who published her first book entitled Left of the Dial, A Memoir of Schizophrenia, Recovery and Hope in 2015. Formerly a disc jockey on FM radio in the 1980s, she chronicles this experience in her book along with what happened after she recovered. Chris has a master's of science degree and works as a professional librarian. Why don't we start off with you sharing a bit of your background?
1: My name is Christina Bruni. Some people call me Chris. And I published a memoir in 2015 titled Left of the Dial about my experiences after I recovered from schizophrenia and my life after I had the breakdown in 1987. I was 22 years old and I graduated from college with a BA in English And that fall, I had a breakdown. Within 24 hours, my mother drove me to the hospital. I was given medication. And within three weeks, the positive symptoms had stopped. So I was in the system for about three years. And after that, I obtained my first job as an administrative assistant to the executive of an insurance firm. And I stopped collecting government disability checks And a year later, I lived in my own studio apartment by the beach on Staten Island.
0: Chris, maybe you can describe for us the path from then till now.
1: How I got from there to here is a long and winding road. I joked to people in the 1990s that I was professionally unemployed, having been laid off. That is terminated from four out of the five jobs I held in the first seven years of my employment. Since October is Disability Employment Awareness Month, I wanted to talk a little bit about the career I have now and how having the careers I love enabled me to recover. I really don't think that having recovered enabled me to have these jobs. I think having these jobs was a precursor to enabling me to recover. When I lived at home in the 1990s, I had told my mother, I want a life. And she responded, you have a life. On paper, I had recovered. I had a job and a car, and I lived on my own. Yet I always felt there was something more, a different purpose to what I could do. And it wasn't until I moved to Brooklyn in 1999 that my recovery took off. 10 years after I was diagnosed with schizophrenia in the fall of 1997, I had gone back to school to obtain a library science degree. In June 2000, I graduated Pratt Institute in Clinton Hill, Brooklyn, with a master's in library and information science. That summer, I obtained my job as a librarian in a public library where I've worked for over 18 years. And I really credit finding that job I love in the library and also starting my writing career when I was 39 years old as the prime reasons I was able to recover as fully as I have.
0: Well, Chris, your achievements are certainly inspiring. Maybe you can tell us about the other project you mentioned you're working on.
1: I have a side job, Christina Rooney LLC, as a resume writer and career search consultant for mental health peers, and that grew out of my experience at the public library, creating resumes for patrons and helping them find jobs. Upwards of 80% of the people that I created resumes for at the library got interviews that led to job offers. So I'm the number one fan of trying to find a job that you love and taking steps to succeed in employment, like I said, to reduce the impact of your disability.
0: A lot of the families I've met through NAMI very much want their loved ones to be able to find employment that is satisfying and gives a sense of purpose. Maybe you could go into a bit more detail about your job.
1: From August 1990, when I obtained my first job as an administrative assistant, three years after I was diagnosed with schizophrenia, until June 1997, I worked in corporate jobs, in offices, in insurance firms, and that was a total disaster. When you're young, you think, okay, I'm going to go into an office job and earn tons of money. And in effect, the only good that came from those jobs was that I was able to pay the rent and live independently, yet I was a total failure at those jobs. And the moral of the story is that you can succeed even if your first job is not ideal. You can have a better job later in life, which is what happened when I followed through with my goal of going back to school for the library science degree. At my current job where I've been for 18 years, I interact with library customers every day and it's like I'm on stage giving a performance. I love my job, I can be creative, I can be cheerful and have a sense of humor and interact with people out in the real world. And I think That, in effect, was why I was able to recover as fully as I have.
0: Living with a severe mental illness, I'm sure listeners are curious to know some of your strategies for success.
1: This August, I've been in remission from schizophrenia for 26 years, having been out of the hospital and had no symptoms. I state, without a doubt, that in my particular experience, committing to taking a maintenance dose of schizophrenia medication was what enabled me to have this library job and to succeed as well as I have. And I touch upon the initial breakdown and hospitalization and the major relapse that happened close to five years later when i discontinued the medication that is all the intro part of my memoir left of the dial and it's the trajectory of my life in recovery after i was diagnosed so just as an aside here i'd like to say that in my instance taking medication enabled me to recover as fully as i have And if I wasn't medicated, I would be out on the streets or possibly dead. And I stand by that assertion, even though the anti-psychiatry crowd does not like that. I'm willing to admit that for some people, medication is not the answer. For me, it saved my life and gave me a better life. And I can honestly say that I have a better life now than i did before i was diagnosed
0: now i know you're working on a new project as part of your mental health advocacy perhaps you could share that
1: i obtained a literary agent and she is pitching a new book to editors at publishing houses which is a career guide for mental health peers Based on my experience working at the library with customers and creating resumes for them and helping them with career searches, which is something I've done for over 10 years. And most of the people I create resumes for got job offers. So linked to that experience, I wrote a book, You Are Not Your Diagnosis, specifically geared to helping mental health peers find the jobs they love, and succeed at employment, which I know is possible. My vision in life is recovery for everyone from whatever it is you're in recovery from. And I really think my sacred contract in this lifetime is to help people heal, recover, and have their own version of a full and robust life. The goal is not for everyone living with schizophrenia or bipolar or whatever you have to have the kind of life I have. I call what's possible in recovery having your own version of a full and robust life. And what I initially wrote in the talking points for this interview is that recovery is self-defined. Back in the 1990s, on paper, I had recovered, but that was not my definition of the kind of life I wanted to have. And the good news is that recovery and remission are two different things. And you can be in recovery even though you're not in remission. There are people, and it's been documented, who still have symptoms and are able to hold jobs and be successful in employment. Ellen Sachs, the most famous person with schizophrenia, who published her memoir, The Center Cannot Hold, has a JD from Yale and became the chair of the USC Law Department. So She is the most famous person to publish a schizophrenia memoir, and she still has symptoms. I've been in remission for 26 years because every day I've taken my medication as prescribed. And the good thing is, regardless of whether you're in remission, you can have your own version of a full and robust life. And recovery for you is going to be your original take, and it's going to be different from what my recovery looks like and what your friend's recovery is going to look like. And that's okay. I've written in my blog at christinabruni.com numerous times that it's okay if you're a cashier in Rite Aid. That's your version of recovery. And we should not look down on people with schizophrenia and other illnesses who do not have so-called competitive employment. I would not have written and published my memoir, Left of the Dial, if I was dangling a possibility that was not available to anyone who read my book. Like I said, not everyone's going to have an MS and be a professional librarian, but you deserve to have the right in recovery to decide that you want to go after your dream and try to make it happen.
0: Well, thank you for sharing those very inspiring words. Can you talk a little bit about the family perspective?
1: Right now, I'd like to talk a little bit about my recovery from my mother's Perspective. For over eight years, I was a health guide at the Health Central Schizophrenia website. I wrote cutting edge, in the Vanguard news articles about recovery, and I interviewed peers, and I interviewed my mother at the Health Central Schizophrenia website. My mother told me in detail what it was like for her on the night that I had the breakdown and what happened in the days when I was in the hospital after she drove me to the ER. She was distraught. She felt like she had the dry heaves and she could barely face being in the hospital with me and seeing me in that condition. However, she did tell me in the Health Central interview and years later that she knew something was wrong and she had to get me help. And she didn't care how it looked that she was going to get me immediately help because she knew that something was out of the ordinary. And she drove me to the ER within 24 hours. I was admitted to the hospital Given medication, which at the time was Stelazine, and within three weeks, I was released with no symptoms. I am not the only family member with a mental illness. For confidentiality, I do not talk about anyone else unless they give me permission. I believe that mental illness has had a trajectory in my grandmother's side of the family, on my mother's side, since we came here from Italy in the late 1890s. So for me and for others in my family, it's a genetic condition. And it's not easy for parents who have sons and daughters with mental illnesses, and it's particularly not easy for mothers and fathers whose sons and daughters are denied treatment and whose illness progresses to almost certain permanent disability. I wanted to write and publish my memoir, Left Over the Dial, primarily to dramatize how getting the right treatment right away results in a better outcome. And when I had the relapse, it happened in a dramatic fashion. And right then, for the second time in my life, my mother drove me to the hospital. Luckily, I was once again admitted right away and I consented to taking the medication again. My mother is proud of me because I take medication and I've had since 2002, going on over 16 years now, a second labor of love career as a mental health advocate. And people I've met and people my mother has met, who I shall remain confidential about, have also disclosed about family members who have mental illnesses like schizophrenia. It seems like it is more common than not in my life that I and my mother have met people whose loved ones have mental health issues. And my mother, now that I've written the book, tells people about what happened to me and gives them a copy of Left of the Dial to read, and I just want to say that I speak out because to remain silent would be complicit in advancing the rhetoric and the notion that no one can recover. I have met criticism for stating that research proves that people can recover. And people have attacked me for claiming that people have been able to recover, including a so-called international expert who oddly does not have her own website and was qualified to write on psychcentral.com that nobody can recover. The research bears out that people with schizophrenia can hold jobs and have their own version of a full and robust life. Family members of loved ones with mental illnesses should always have hope. I have hope for my other loved ones, even at times when that hope diminishes. There is always hope even when it seems like your loved one has failed and that recovery is not possible. I think that if any mother or father has mistaken goals for their kids, that they should become a JD or an MD and have what on paper looks like a great status in society, those parents Are mistaken. That is just what success looks like on paper. And we all know doctors and attorneys who are in it just to make a buck. And we know, and I know, that people who work at Rite Aid are some of the most cheerful, kind people that you and I have ever met. It might look Like recovery is not possible if you're basing recovery on the traditional notion of success. My mother is proud of me because I wrote and published the memoir and I continue to speak out about my experiences.
0: As we know, there are a number of reasons why an individual might not be able or willing to seek out mental health care. Can you speak to that?
1: Like I said, and I stand by this assertion, that I was able to recover and have a job I love because I take medication for schizophrenia every day. And unfortunately, too often... Treatment is denied and people are turned away at the hospital doors. They commit a crime and then they wind up in jail. So jails have become treatment centers. And when people are in jail, they do not get medication and they worsen. I don't know what the solution is to the decades long rhetoric about the jails as mental hospital syndrome, which has been going on for over 10 years that people who are severely ill wind up in prison instead of getting treatment. And I do take issue with the anti-psychiatry crowd who claim that no one should be medicated under any circumstances. My recovery and success is living proof that taking medication works. And of course, the difference was my mother drove me to the hospital within 24 hours because she didn't care how it looked that her daughter had become ill. The far greater miracle is that I was admitted within a day, given medication, and the medication worked on the first try. So what my mother stands by today is that even though I might not have liked it, my three years spent in the system were what enabled me to recover. In 1987, when I got out of the hospital, I attended a day program with other peers that were in recovery and setting goals. For a year, I was in that day program, and then I was transferred to a second day program for another year. OVR, which is now Access VR and had been vested sent me to clerical training so I could attain my first job as an administrative assistant. I did not like that I was shunted into the second day program instead of being allowed to look for work. Sometimes I think I succeeded despite my time in the second day program. In retrospect, I can see that I succeeded because of my time spent in the system. After those three years, I stopped collecting government disability checks. And since then, I've been on my own and I've held jobs for over 27 years. Right now, I bought my own co-op with the help of my parents so I own my own apartment which is one of the only two things that I had as a life goal in this lifetime. I wanted to publish my memoir and I wanted to own a co-op and I achieved those things because I committed to taking medication and because I had the love and support of my close-knit Italian-American family. I firmly believe that I succeeded because of my parents. There are so many people living in recovery who bash their parents and are against family support. I can honestly say that family support is the reason I've gotten as far as I have today. And it's heartbreaking to see your son or daughter get ill, and it's worse when they remain ill because they are denied treatment. So there is a Facebook group for parents that is called, actually, Where's NAMI? And I'm a member of it. It's for parents who feel that they have not gotten help for their loved ones who remain chronically ill. And that's a compliment to NAMI itself for other parents. I think NAMI helped my family without a doubt because before NAMI Staten Island was in existence in 1987, It was Siami, S-I-A-M-I, and my mother has been involved with them since 1987 when Tom Naples and Joan Naples and a band of other parents formed that original version of NAMI. And I'm glad that parents of NAMI now are committed to helping us children recover. Without our parents, I doubt we would get anywhere.
0: Chris, thank you for sharing so much of yourself with this podcast. Do you have any closing words for our listeners?
1: That has been my perspective as a person with lived experience diagnosed with schizophrenia. And I identify as a person with schizophrenia, even though I have recovered and I'm in remission. My loyalty is to my friends and peers and the family members of loved ones who have mental illnesses.
0: Thank you very much, Christina Bruni, for joining us on this episode of the NPO Media Podcast. Also, thank you for the technical assistance to Jenna Schiffman. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest on the NPO Media Podcast, please email us at info at Thank you and be well.